Blog Talk Radio. Mission is Possible. Again, it's part one and part two is with the kids. 
So it's shaping up to be a rather amazing new year here at Mama's Pearls. If you want to join us live and chat with us, you're welcome to do so. The call-in number is 347-327-9450. And I'm particularly excited to take an adventure with you this week. Um, on Mama's Pearls, we typically start our our week with a the theme, and I start, like, the chat on Facebook, either on my personal page or the Mama's Pearls like page. And this week, knowing who's coming on and what we're going to be kind of diving into, it brought me right back to my inner child. And my my inner child was always up for an adventure. My inner child, when, well, or I should say my younger self, um, and if you ask my mom, she would say that I was kind of like a stallion and she was trying to hold back the reins because I was always ready to go on an adventure and I would throw myself in, like, with just reckless abandon <laughs> into whatever whatever it is what I was doing. So the theme of this week is Adventure Awaits and the Pearl of the Week is Legendary Memories because some of the adventures that I remember going on were stuff as legends. These were the things and the times in my life that really stuck with me. And whenever I see people, I'm kind of my my um, partners in crime have kind of changed over the year. You know, starting from nursery school, I remember, you know, my friends in nursery school that I would go off an adventure with. I remember my, my cousins. I remember when I was in elementary school, high school, college, law school, afterwards, now. Now what's kind of fun for me is that my adventure counterparts or cohorts or compadres, my partners in crimes, have turned into my children. And as much as I live for those moments where I, I sought out adventure when I was younger to do something different um, and to just go off exploring with my friends or my cousins or whoever my partners in crime was, now it's kind of like taking this dual role as a parent where I see my kids and, you know, I know and I write about it in this week's blog too and my, all my blogs, um, so you know, can be found at www.mamaspearls.com. But when I look at them and they get that gleam in their eyes, it's kind of like part of me, half of me is like, oh, yeah, kid, I know where you're going. I want to step in, we're going to play and it's going to be amazing and you just kind of show me what you want me to do, you take the lead because the kid's imagination, like Albert Einstein says, imagination is more important than knowledge. And I love it when my kids get creative and they get inventive and they have these amazing imaginary play worlds going on. Um, but then the parental side of me kind of goes, uh-oh, uh-oh, I know where this is going. I'm not so sure if I should let it. Um, do I cut them off at the past? Do I tell my daughter that, you know, she can't believe in parent fairies. You know, what What do I do with this as, as a parent? Do I jump, jump in and let my inner child kind of take over and run with it? Or do I let my stricter parent, concrete, reality-based mindset kind of seep in and, and stop it? Obviously, if your child is, you know, doing something dangerous, that's one thing. But if it's an adventure, I find myself lately, particularly as it's snowing, and yes, it is snowing again here in New York, um, and when it's snowing and you're inside and there's only so much of any one thing that you can do that we need to focus on our imaginations. We need to we need to create imaginary play worlds so we can kind of just get through the day without going completely stir-crazy, uh, 
and get cabin fever. So I invite everyone who's listening to go into your family, step into an adventure, step into an imaginary play world, and bring your loved ones along because you will be in for such an adventure. So while we're off on on the path of an adventure, I'm really, really excited about um, about our guest this week. Our guest is Eric De La Bar. And just to back up, I met Eric, oh, God, I don't even want to say how long ago already, but it's, you know, probably six years ago when we were um, – when I was working with the Spiritual Cinema Circle and Stephen Simon, and together, and we bought the rights basically to produce Neil Donald Walsh's um, Neil Donald Walsh's book series, The Conversations with God book series, into a film. And Eric came aboard as the writer for the film, and I'm, I believe we met then. I'm, I don't think we met sooner. I think we met then, and we just really bonded pretty much on the set and throughout the entire process. And I just kind of knew from meeting him that he was going to churn something out, something, he was going to spin something into gold. He's had a long career as a writer, as a, both a screenwriter, a television writer on Law and & Order, and as well as a, a ghostwriter. And now he's written a teenage adventure novel, which is called Saltwater Cafe, a novel of adventure and self-discovery. And what I know about Eric is that he not only is a talented, amazing writer, but he also comes from the spiritual mindset. So incorporating all of the amazing and fun parts that you love about childhood adventure, and this book has got pirates, it's got friendship, it has baseball, it has, um, it has you know, little elements of danger in it. You know, it's everything an adventure story should be, but at the core of it, throughout the book, he has treasure tips and kind of leads you into this deeper state with these characters to get into a deeper spiritual place. So it is from that that I'm very excited to welcome onto the air and into the Mama's Pearls community author, and I will hopefully like to say in a year, best-selling author, Eric Taylor Barr. Eric, you with us? Hey, what's going on out there? <laughs> snow, snow, and more snow. You have to, but you wait, wait a second. You have to understand where I'm sitting right now. This is almost surreal that I'm I'm sitting in Jackson Square Park, right here in the French Quarter of New Orleans, where the, right. uh, the story of Saltwater Taffy begins. When on the day that Jean Lafitte, the pirate, dies, and to be sitting here with St. Louis Cathedral by, right behind me is just—it's pretty cool. Oh, my God, right. And the how perfect of that is the tie-in with our string of pearls that last week, you know, and last night we were talking about, you know, the restoration efforts in New Orleans. So that is just amazing. And actually, Eric just clicked off because he's probably on his cell phone um, if he's sitting in the French corner and not calling on the landline. So I'm going to wait for him to come back onto the air, but I will tell you a little bit more about the story. Like you said, it's basically discovering discovering this lost treasure. Hello, you back? Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> okay, all right. No problem. It happens all the time. I've dropped off my own show, so if I do drop off too, because I'm calling in on my cell phone, just fill in the blanks and I'll over. come back. I'll okay. take over, though. So, I could be the next host of this show. <laughs> you could. You could be a guest host anytime you want. Okay. Um, so, 
So tell us a little bit about the setup to the story and the adventure. Well, um, essentially the story began uh, for me when I was a little kid because my brother and I, um, there was, uh, I don't know, there's a quote in the book that I, I put at the end of the book that every, you know always remember every moment is another adventure waiting to happen. And mm-hmm. that as a uh, sort of a, a mantra, as a, you know, as an inner code that has led my life has allowed me to do, you know, some pretty amazing things that, you know, uh, uh, not amazing uh, in the sense that, oh, my God, how cool are you? It's that uh, it's just it's just amazing in the sense that I get to express what is inside of me and find an avenue, which is screenwriting or book writing or making movies or what have you that I can share with other people. I mean, there's a lot of people out there that, that have this gift and talent inside, and they don't know how to channel it and get it out. So um, having that zest for adventure, uh, because let me tell you, it's not the easiest route in the world of success to become a writer or a filmmaker, because it is very right. uh, competitive and um, it is, I don't know, the business has changed so much since I got in it that uh, you, you have to sit there and wonder, why are you doing it? Because it's that hard. But um, right. so I, this story started back when I was a kid, and then uh, when I was at Law and Order, uh, the stories every day, which you know it's a great show. I love the show. It was it was fun working on it for seven years. But every day the story was okay. Uh, how do we kill this person? And then how do we catch him? And right. that uh, sort of began to wear on my soul. It was always the story of murder and the perpetuation of murder. And we live in a society that is infatuated with murder, mayhem, and destruction. Um, you know, the old term, if it bleeds, it leads, is is a classic, I mean, it's a classic tale of where we are in our society. I mean, a perfect example, uh, uh, last week, uh, Tuesday, Tuesday of last week, I was in Las Vegas, and uh, I was speaking to uh, Cannon Junior High School. It was my junior high school when I was uh, growing up. So I got to go back and speak to the school with you know all these kids where I actually sat, which was not only surreal but very cool. Well, you know, there was a big article in the newspaper. It was front page of the uh, of the local section. You know, it's called you know one for the books. Lo- uh, you know, local boy makes good type of story. Huge picture. You know, of the book cover and a couple of illustrations. Picture of me, and uh, uh, you know, really cool interview story. So. ABC News said they wanted to come out and uh, and do an interview, tape an interview for the uh, uh, the evening news, and I was like, okay, that's great. And I finally get to talk about the uh, how I cannot stand that the red states and the blue states are fighting and education is suffering. I mean, we need to, if we're going to get together on one thing, we need to get together on education because we are leaving our children behind. We're 25th in the world, man. And so that was uh, that was a, a great opportunity to talk about those things. But um, the sad thing, can you hear those bells going off in the background? No, I wish I could though, because that would be that would be pretty uh, iconic. Yeah, St. Louis Cathedral was uh, uh, right now chiming away, telling me that it's uh, what quarter past the hour? No, That's quarter cool. to the hour. Just, just so, make sure um, while you're there to grab a big A for me. I did that this morning. <laughs> I, I, I think, I think Facebook, uh, Facebook blew up this morning when I posted that I was heading over to Cafe Du Monde for coffee and beignets. Uh, and everybody's like, yeah. grab one for me. Uh, yeah, but anyway, so 
that that afternoon, you know, I, I gave two talks to about probably 150 kids, and uh, it was it was an awesome experience talking to these kids. But ABC News didn't show up, and they didn't show up because body parts were found in a dumpster behind 7-Eleven. And right. the, if it bleeds, it leaves, takes over, and they didn't show up. Well, they later found out that it's somebody had killed a goat, and they dumped the body parts of a goat. So it was like, you know, they had they had egg on their face, you know, because I was like, what, where were you guys? They, well, there's body parts in a dumpster. And I said, oh, you mean the goat parts? So it was pretty right. funny and a, a funny, uh, a perfect example of how we're infatuated with murder. And so, you know, focusing on that every day was sort of a, it was a tough tough deal for me. And when I left Law & Order, I went into, I worked on the Big Easy, which is why I'm sitting in uh, Jackson Square right now, uh, because I discovered this amazing city. And, um, you know, again, that was more crime perpetuation, and I always wanted to tell something fun. So my guilty pleasure, if you will, was creating a story um, that was perfect for kids. That was a G-rated story. Unfortunately, we have so many we have so many stories that are way above the head of our children and yet we package it as a children's movie. You know, and I I just don't agree with that. Um, you know, a, a film like Lord of the Rings, which was, you know, that's a, an awesome Christmas, I mean, excuse me, a, an awesome children's story, uh, books that you know, everybody read as a child, and they turned it into this ultra-violent, and I'm not speaking anything bad about what Peter Jackson did, but, you know, within the first five minutes, I think 20 heads lopped off and arms and everything was, you know, bodies were cut in half, and, and this is what we're calling entertainment for our children. And so I wanted to create something uh, with saltwater taffy that would be uh, family safe. And this is the reason that, you know, I have nine teachers of the year have come behind us and said that they love this book because it is a perfect story for families. And a lot of mom bloggers, uh, you being one of them, have, uh, mm-hmm. have come out of the woodwork and, and just are really enjoying the book and how it not only inspires their children, but it entertains them as well. So... That's kind of uh, the the genesis of the idea and how it came about because I just wanted to provide some safe content for children. Right. I mean, what, one of the things that I just loved about the book is that it, it really immediately draws you in. And I love books where I can I can picture everything that's going on. And because you're a visual writer kind of by trade, everything kind of pops up around you in this book. Like there's no there's no guesswork. So a kid and I flew through the book. I'm like the slowest reader on the planet. Like I'll read like a page and I'll be like, you know, Johnny went to the store. Wait, who who's the character? Where did he go? Why did he go there? Like it takes me it takes me a while to really get through the book and I read your book in literally two days. Two nights I should say after the kids went to bed. Um it's a very fast read the characters are like you know they they're like you can picture them in the schoolyard with the with you you can see yourself as scott you can see yourself as jimmy well i could because he's like the the fat kid and i just love (laughs) you know like chunk and goonies and you know i really kept like flashing back on elements of my my favorite childhood adventure stories one being goonies like i kept saying this is this just reminds me has the same spirit as you know as friendship and like your characters how they play off each other and know each other just so well 
you know, it kept bringing me back to Goonies and bringing me back to Stand By Me and bringing me back to the Sandlot of, you know, kids getting together and going off an adventure, but they're still, you know, they're ball, you know, they're team, they're on the same baseball team and they have that camaraderie versus like, you know, the other kids who want to, want to kill them at at every other corner. So I think it's very, um, it's it's easy for everyone to relate to whether you're an adult or a tween age child, kind of going through the same coming of age um, process as your as your character. So can you tell us just a little bit more of kind of the the setup of the plot and finding um, the lost treasure? Well, um, it's a story about uh, five kids, uh, five really good friends uh, that discover a uh, a treasure map. Uh, and set on this in, 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 you know, complete adventure um, that, well, let me back up here. Let's just back up. <laughs> Let's do take two. That's the beautiful thing about uh, making movies. You can do take two. It's a story <laughs> of adventure. <laughs> it's a story of adventure and self-discovery. By that, I mean five friends, you know, one Fourth of July weekend, because I always loved the feeling that I could, that I would get when I was, you know, going to a Fourth of July picnic, and back in 1972, when the book is set, it was we had a, a focus more on family and and community and those types of collective events. Whereas, you know, we, we live in Santa Monica and Los Angeles, and there just really isn't that. So I wanted to create this world where you felt like you're home. And the setting right. in Port Townsend is this really cute, quaint port seaport town that I fell in love with when I went through there and found out that they, you know, they shot uh, Hunt for Red October there, and all sorts of you know amazing movies have come through uh, Port Townsend. And anyways, these five kids find this piece of a treasure map that leads them on this trail uh, for the Jean, uh, the lost treasure of Jean Lafitte. And you know this this type of adventure, uh, they run into everything from a you know an overtown overbearing town bully to um, you know a crazy old one legged one legged junkyard man uh, to this crazy old man living at the top of the hill, and it was designed to and be. A bear. And a bear. Uh, well, you, yeah, you can't tell you can't tell everything now. <laughs> <laughs> can't give everything away. But, uh, but no, it, you know, I wanted I wanted to create that that element of adventure, but I also wanted to model things that um, that you know young kids begin to worry about because the biggest killer of a young mind is worry, doubt, and fear, and those three elements will lose years of your life. And I you know I talked to boys and girls clubs around the country, and I was in Denver um, uh, yesterday, and I spoke on. Uh, Monday morning to uh, the Jewish day, day School there in Denver, which is one of the um, top-rated uh, schools in the country, and it is truly an amazing uh, school because, God Almighty, these kids are smart. I I read a little bit from the book, and because um, on the back of the book I have this little uh, sales tool that says, "Try it. Read page 117." Which means that you know if somebody's walking through the they're walking through the bookstore and they're looking for a book and instead of reading you know the synopsis they can go right to the heart instead of just flipping to a, a section that I might not want them to flip to they'll go to this part where it, it it screams of adventure already and I read about maybe three or four pages to the end of the ch- end of the chapter and one one kid immediately put his hand up and this is a fourth grader I mean a fourth grader we're talking eight nine years old says to me. Right. 
I really enjoyed the way that you used the descriptive words to paint the picture for me because I could really feel this this story. And I, I, I looked over to the teacher going, who are these kids, man? Right. I mean, and then, right. you know. Is, and, is this an English lit class in college? Right. Pretty much. I mean, you know, descriptive words that really paint the picture for me. I mean, unquote is, wow, I was amazed. And then, then I was talking, you know, every time I talk to kids, I talk to them about their energy and about um, manifesting what they really want out of their lives as opposed to just allowing life to happen to them and not through them. And by that I mean you get to tell your own story as opposed to being a reactionary being to whatever, whatever life gives you, then you react to that. No, I think we are, we are creators in the great sense of the word. And we get to do whatever we choose. And that energy is very important. And I said, you know, I started it off saying, what is energy? And, one, you know, one kid said, oh, it runs the lights. And, you know, another kid said something about a battery. And then one kid in the back says, it's the speeding up of, a- of atoms inside of a... I was like, what did you just say? <laughs> he gave me this scientific, right, which, which you know... Is, right, which is all right, but it's all the science, it's not the spiritual Absolutely, but I loved it. But this came from a fourth grader. A fourth grader is telling me that you know the 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 molecules are speeding up inside of an atom, and I was like, oh my god, who are you? You know, and uh, and that's what I love about it because the story uh, can be tapped in by any kid, no matter you know how old they are. Because I don't know about you, but I love the story, and I'm 45 years old. Um, and you know, I think there's, I think there's a kid in in out of the five or ten characters that we have in the book that are children. I think there's, you know, it relates to every kind of person out there. You know, with Zippy, you have the really smart kid, and then you know, you have the right. really socially awkward kid in Scott, who's you know really right. not uh, tapped into his self confidence yet. And then you have the kid that's really great at sports and and does everything, and you know, is a big man on campus, and Tommy. And you know Jack, the, the the you know the struggling tomboy trying to find who she is, and you know I think that relates to pretty much anybody who reads the book will say, "Wow, that's just like how I felt." And right. it's my nostalgic Very look on, on what it's like. Yeah, it's it's a, a nostalgic look on on growing up, basically. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously it, it, it mimics. I mean, it just has to mimic a lot of your own process. But what? and and your own childhood. And what I particularly love is how you do integrate those questions um, and those spiritual themes about, you know, setting setting the world before you, making your own adventure, um, you know, turning lemons into lemonade, those types of of antics, which we've heard, you know, we've all kind of heard, but you actually see and, and read how these characters after they go through one piece of their little scavenger hunt and treasure hunt, how they are integrating that, how their friendships are deepening, how their um, understanding about life and kind of what's important and how you say, like, to eradicate their own worry, doubt, and fear, and mostly the doubt and fears of themselves throughout the adventure, whether they trust their own abilities. I mean, it seems like everybody just trusts whatever Zippity's going to do. You know, whatever he's going to do, you know, he knows exactly what he's doing. He's kind of like the whiz kid of the bunch. Um, But, you know, and seeing the other kids who obviously have, you know, different self-esteem issues and whatnot, how they do grow towards the end, you know, as the journey continues. 
Um, and that, for me, was just kind of what, what I held on to and also remembered about my own childhood adventures and how, you know, you do come out of them for the wiser, which is why, like, yeah. when I look at my kids now and they want to go on an adventure, I don't want to cut them off as long as it's, you know, as long as they're not going Same. to... Yeah, <laughs> jump off a jump off a cliff because these things are about a coming of age. They are about deepening. They are about you know gaining a new awareness and kind of like trust for yourself and and your friends. Yeah, no, it's good. It's a it's I, I think it's a, a a perfect read for families and you know even the, the you know the young young at heart. I have. Uh, grandparents that are picking up the book because I mean even my dad who hates fiction he said you know I'd love to take this book on vacation it's a perfect you know it's an easy read it's a fast read which is you know why I why I made it so um, dramatic on every page is the thing about children is their their attention spans are so fractured with the media that we have flowing through them on a on a minute by minute moment by moment basis so I knew that I had to to heighten the energy and heighten the drama um, that will enable a reader not to turn the channel, as it were. And right. that's the the one thing that I learned from Law and Order is, you know, you if it doesn't move the story, if it doesn't propel the reader or the audience or the viewer to want to know what happens next, then you're not doing your job, and you need to cut that beat and you need to rethink it. And so right. that. That that enabled me to not only you know make chapters eight to ten pages to twelve pages long, but it also enabled me to cliffhang every single chapter, and that's hard to do. Right. I mean, let me tell yeah. you, it's very, as a writer, you're always trying to think of you know that that dramatic moment that's going to hook the reader and want them to uh, to read more. But I don't know about you, when I read novels, like I read, I read a lot of John Grisham, and you know I really love Stephen King, but I. Did you hear that? No. Was that another bell? Yeah, it's ringing in the ringing in the church here. I can. Can you get closer to them and like stick the phone up? <laughs> <laughs> I can actually is. hear it. I don't hear it. That's going off. Little bit. I heard a. I heard that one. Yeah. Cool. It's doing its chime the top of the hour, and there's all these uh, Europeans taking pictures. You know, it's always cool. funny I about got, New Orleans. I, I, you know? got, I got, wait, I got one to, I got one to match it. Hang on. And Jim! <laughs> <laughs> That's my little time. <laughs> you know, it's funny, I was, listen, I, I was listening to the, uh, the the beginning of your show, and it was like, Mommy, yeah. Mommy! Did you ever see yeah. Family Guy? Family Guy when uh, when when Stewie or I think I can't remember his name. Yeah, I think it's Stewie. And he goes, Mama, 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 Mother, 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 Mother. And she finally goes, What? And he says, Hi. <laughs> it's when he, you know, when it, the, the infatuation with Mom, you know, that type of thing where yeah. you, you don't want to be mom anywhere without be Mom. Yeah, yeah, mom has to be paying attention. I mean, sometimes yeah. I, I I play I play that out loud, especially when because my friend David Goldberg, who's a composer, he he did the jingle, and when he first sent it over to me, I was playing it on the computer all the time, and Craig would be going around the house like, "What? What? Cynthia, you answer the kids." Because <laughs> 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 it really does sound sound like my son on there. It's just so so funny. 
Um, but it's true. It's it's gaining the attention of the mom. It's gaining to you know having to be present. And I just I love my, I love my little jingle. <laughs> I do. I love. And we lost Eric again. Where'd he go? He's getting lost in the bells of of um, Jackson's. Oh, she's back. Back. <laughs> okay, so um, so sidebar. So one of the things I wanted to ask you was about your childhood and your parents. Like, you know, how were they supported of you going on adventures? Like, were they? How did they help you kind of seek out this career? Because I can, I know so many parents who would be like, "You want to be a writer? That's great. Go make money first, and then you could write. Go do something." in a traditional industry, go get a corporate job, and then you can write on the side. How are they so, for you? Well, I um, as as a young boy, I uh, got into, um, uh, sort of out of, uh, just out of a fluke, but in sixth grade, I got into band, and I started playing in the band. And, uh, what did you play? Were, I played the trumpet. And I was pretty nice. good at it. And uh, my parents were very supportive and, you know, used to always... Uh, um, you know, take me to band practice and band competitions, and I traveled all over the country, you know, with band, and um, they were very supportive of that. And then, you know, when the transition from junior high school to high school, which I talked to kids about all the time, suddenly band was not cool. Singing in the choir was not cool. And if you did that, you were a geek, geek, and nobody wanted to be a geek. So, uh, you know, I, I... I never gave up. I never, you know, I liked it. I was good at it. And I said, you know what, if you've got a problem with me playing in band, that's your problem. And so that, at an early age, really kind of allowed me the, um, the you know, mental fortitude to say, if I like it, I don't care what anyone thinks. And Yeah, that's, that's and I, huge. Yeah. That's huge. And a, lot of, went, a lot of people still struggle with that even as grown-ups. Like, that's huge to have that, you know, in high, in high school. Yeah, that was that was junior high school. That was ninth grade. I made that yeah. transition, saying, "You know what? I like this." And then, but I also, you know, I was also, um, you know, I hung in the popular uh, uh, realm and played sports, and you know, I dated a cheerleader. And then when I went to college, uh, I was in a fraternity. I did theater, and I was also in the band. And even then, you know, kids gave you trouble because you were, uh, you know, a geeky artist uh, or the artist, you know, crowd, the always wear black crowd um, said, you know, you're in a fraternity. And I was like, you know, the, the almost the antichrist. And again, right. I, did, I didn't really care. And through this whole process, my parents were always supportive in anything I wanted to do. But it was not until college that um, I realized that I had to take a, an English elective and take a writing class. Because I had always, you know, I, I was, I had a uh, getting a, a degree in uh, in business in marketing, but I also had a minor in theater and a minor in music. So all of my electives were pretty much handled through music and, and theater. But I still had to take this bonehead English class. So as a as a senior, I went to you know enrolled in this freshman bonehead English class, and they they made you um, they made you journal. And through mm-hmm. journaling and writing these little short stories, I it fell off again. I remember doing a similar class like that actually in college, a creative writing class, and every single week we had to write a story. And for me, for me, Eric, I should say how when I was in college, I remember doing a similar 
class like that, it was a creative writing class, and we had to every week bring in a, a short story. And for me, like, I loved that. And that was, that became something that was so easy for me to do where everything else felt like, you know, felt like work. So tell me more about um, about your class and your journal. So yeah, I mean you'd have to you'd have to uh, journal and you know they and it was a great. I don't know if you ever saw the movie Finding Forrester with Sean Connery. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Awesome movie. And you know there's a scene in there when uh, when he's teaching the young kid how to write, and he uh, oh somebody's playing trumpet on the corner. Pretty funny. Um, but you know he. Yeah, the character of Sean Connery is teaching the young black kid how to how to write, and he was like, "What do you want me to write about?" And he goes, "Just write." He says, "What do you mean?" He goes, "Write. Just let your fingers go and write, and you'll find your way when you write." And so I, I sort of learned that in this English class and turning in these little, you know, miniature stories. And I was like, "Wow, I, you know," because every time I would do it, because I don't know if it was because I was older or I, I had a knack for it, the teacher would read, you know, a couple of the top stories or short stories that were featured and um and then I finally I started journaling almost every day and I started to you know put down all these thoughts of that centered around why not I would always say why not why not go after what you really love in life as opposed to getting a quote unquote good job why not explore mm-hmm. Any avenue that makes you feel good, as opposed to just getting a paycheck. I can get a paycheck anytime I want, but can I? You know, I mean, and, and anybody can if they really apply themselves. But I think the secret of this life is to discover the uh, the special talent or gift that you have, and tap into that. And when you tap into that, you really you 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 start to feel like you're um, you know there's a there, you're tapping into a wisdom. Uh, a wisdom that is that is generations before you. That is it. More than right. a more than a feeling, it is a purpose and a purpose driven life versus a um, um, acquisition type of life. Because you know a lot of people just really think that life is about acquiring stuff. And I don't know if you ever saw that little small uh, movie on the internet on YouTube, the story of stuff. And, which is a, a, a few people have been mentioned. Yeah, a few people have mentioned that, but I haven't checked it out yet. Well, here it is. I mean, we come into this world, we're naked as the, you know, as the day we were born. And then we go through life and we get into our 30s and 40s and we start acquiring this stuff and we get bigger cars and bigger houses and, you know, all the furniture and all the toys that go with it. And then as we start to get older, we start to do what? We start to uh, minimize and we then end up in, uh, you know, an apartment. And then we end up in a home. And then we end up just with, you know, basically a suitcase. And then we die. So why not skip the gorging, you know, a gluttony of middle uh, age life of acquiring stuff and tap into something that is going to actually make us lift off because, you know, you can't take it with you. Uh, you might like that great, you know, car you're driving, but you can't take it with you. What you can take with you yeah. are the, the lives that you've touched, the the wisdom that you've handed down and you perceive that. And I think it's a perfect, you know, example of your show. I mean, mommy, you know, the pearls of wisdom that you're dropping down to mothers and children and families alike is what life is really about. Uh, because I, I was just talking to a lady here. Uh, she works at a gallery. She used to uh, live in New York, and she used to work for Newsweek, and she had the big, you know, the big life, the big social life, the calendar of all calendars, and the who's who of New York. And one day, you know, uh, she got old, and Newsweek didn't want her anymore. Because she was, you know, 45, 50 years old. 
and they okay. they let her he, go he and gender suicide. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, moving and, on. I said, right. and you know, and I said, I go, that's that's really life just kind of pushing you out of the nest. That's saying, you know, let's get on to the next chapter of this life. Let's turn the page. I mean, I think Jimmy, uh, Robert Plant uh, said it best. You know, turn the page. Let's really let's get to something that is going to make you really tap into the source of who you are and who you're really supposed to be, not just acquiring things. So right. that for you me said, and no, go ahead. You, I was just to say, I mean, you threw a lot of things out, a lot of really good pearls and treasure tips right out there. So I just kind of wanted to take a moment and a pause on some of them um, because you know, again, just with the theme of the of this week and last week, you know, you sitting in, in the middle of New Orleans and having spoken with these moms and these kids who literally came away from their trip and visiting families who are bunking up with their families and have absolutely nothing and were so happy to get basic gifts from these from these kids of just like pots and pans and really basic stuff, but everything that they had was washed away in Katrina. And what they came out of it and what they were saying last night, you know, because I asked them, you know, out of all of your stuff, you know, which they have a much deeper appreciation now for but realize it's just stuff, what would you go to grab if you only had to take, if you could only take five things? And one of the one of the kids said, my family. And that's exactly, you know, that's exactly the point. Like, that's exactly you know, why I spend so much time doing Mama's Pearls and, and trying to reach out to different families and just, you know, and, and talking to authors like yourself because it is reinforcing that, you know, we can have all these great things, you know, books included, um, you know, but whatever whatever does not enrich us as far as enhancing our relationships to each other, enhancing our connection to ourselves, enhancing your connection with your with your kids, it's almost not worth going going on the adventure or, you know, laying out that energy to do. So, um, you know, thank you for, for putting that pearl up up into the into the space. Absolutely. I was talking to this lady this morning and she said, you know, I said, What was it like being here after after Katrina and, and you know, there was right. just so it was such devastation. And she said the spirit of this town, you know, they, they, I mean New Orleans is a, is wandering spirits. Uh, there is a vortex going on here in the French Quarter. There is no doubt. There's so many ghosts and spirits rolling around, and you know they have they talk about haunted mansions and stuff. And it's just people still celebrating, and that's what this city is all about. And to have them, um, you know, she said, you know, oh sure, after after mourning, you know, there was a there was a mourning period where people could not believe the devastation that it that was thrust upon them. But she said, right. you know what? People started pulling their instruments out. People started gathering. They started getting together. And, I mean, there was a celebration of life going on in the city when most right. people would say, you know, I lost everything. And it's like, no, you didn't. You gained so much. You gained a, a perspective that most people go through a lifetime and never achieve. And right. uh, that is what I'm. That's the, what I'm trying to do with Saltwater Taffy. And you know, that's exactly. what what a great book dot what a great book dot com is all about. I have a whole section on on you know my my uh, my message to parents to say you know look, you basically have three to five years left with your kid, and your kid is you know before even before that your kid's going to want nothing to do with you because it's no longer cool to hang out with parents, you know? <laughs> yeah. They, they, they want to... You know, I know, they're, they're I'm in, dreading. 
They're independent. You know, yeah, like last year. Yeah, I remember well, last year. I just wanted to just put this story in there for exactly. It's last year. I remember like my my son was just kind of like, "Mom, I don't want you" or something like that. And like my heart broke. I'm like, "He's only four. He's not supposed to be saying that till he's like 15." You know, but it's true. It's true. Yeah, no. I mean, and you know what? What is adolescent? Adolescent is when a child tries to rear a parent, and they think they know right. better. You know? <laughs> um, but that's. That's my message to parents is saying, look, you know, your your kid is 9, 10, 11 years old. In a short two-year span, they're going to be like, you know, I hate you and, you know, you don't understand what it's like to be me and all this kind of stuff. And then next, you know, and, and before you heal that moment, it's time for them to go to college. So what I, what I try and tell parents is to capture these moments now. Make a memory happen right now. You know, we have a quote in the book, which is one of the treasure tips, which it might as well be called a mommy pearl, is, you know, uh, friendships are memories. Make them often. And that okay. is a perfect example of, you know, read this book together. Sit down, read with your child, and go on this, you know, epic adventure of that one day will be made into a movie, and you'll you'll both be able to share. Remember when we read that, you know? Remember that one summer we read that book, and we just loved going to bed at night and reading it again and again? And, you know, that's sort of my gift to parents because, you know, I'm going to be a parent here in uh, four short months in on May 18th where we're having a baby. Yeah, you didn't know that? That's awesome. I don't think yeah, I knew no. that. Yeah, we're having a baby. Oh, uh, we don't my know, God. We don't, we don't know what you it is. Know. So I'm, a, I'm officially going to be a parent. And, you know, wow, I want to make you're sure. you're going to be off on your own new adventure. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, you want to have a kid. Write a kid's, write a kid's book and you have a kid. It's like, you know, it goes hand in hand. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. That's funny. Um, so. Just about doing, just about what you're saying about gaining a new perspective, because one of the the undertones that I love of the book and of, um, I don't want to give away too many of the plot points, but one of the the letters in your book, which is kind of like a long, long treasure chip, is basically saying that you know obviously these kids set out and they're in search, they're in search of gold, they're in search of the treasure from from this from this, you know, pirate. And um, and it says, the treasure you seek lies within. Do not waste yeah. your life looking for something that is not to be found. Life is the ultimate treasure. Cherish it. Love your family. Love your friends. I mean, it's just amazing. This hunt was enacted yeah. to bring families and friends closer together, nothing more, and the hunt become more. And that, to me, kind of, just stuck out as so core to these characters, to the reader, and, you know, and in the end, you see how one of the main characters totally gains that whole perspective and gets it. And it's kind of like, you know, you kind of walk away and you always wonder, like, is that pot of gold worth it? Is that is that really the treasure? What is the treasure in your journey together with your friends? Um, and it's interesting to see each one of the characters throughout the book gaining that perspective for themselves, you know, about their friendships, about the adventure. Um, and the fact that you're taking this story and kind of leveraging it into this whole teaching tool um, 
and have so much support of teachers around you, I think it's, you know, one is brilliant, and obviously, yeah, you did, definitely did major in marketing. Um, but it's really, <laughs> it, you know, that, that goes without saying. But, but you know, t- giving these tools to the to the teachers so, you know, every every student can kind of mark their own adventure about what's, what's going to mark the spot, where are they going to place their ex on their own life. And that, to me, yeah. is just, was just beautiful about about your book. Well, you know, thank you. I mean, I appreciate that because, um, uh, you know, and I, I, I don't, I, I can't really take credit for that because um, if something, you know, here's the thing about living a purpose-driven life. There, you know, you, you put yourself in the arena. You know, it's no good if you're playing baseball and you want to catch the winning pass in, in you know, in the Super Bowl. You know, you have to put right. yourself on the playing field of to to allow things to unfold and you know great things to happen. And after I did that book for Random House as a ghostwriter for Mark Victor Hansen, I um you know, and he he wrote a small little book called Chicken Soup for the Soul. And you know, you talk about <laughs> something that is something that has, you know, 150 billion, I mean, excuse me, 150 million copies sold around the world right. and still going. Um that right. is that is something that started for them as just this little idea. And if you're not believing in your little ideas, then then what are you believing in? I mean, sure, you know, everybody wants to write a bestseller, but you have to just write and write for the sake of writing. And when I turned that book in, I sat down and say, okay, because that's the thing about being a writer and being a filmmaker. Um, you you Once you finish a project, you're like, okay, what's next? What's the next thing? Right. And so what I did is I sat there and said, okay, um, what about that that screenplay you wrote many years ago called Saltwater Taffy? Because I always thought, I mean, what mother wouldn't take their child to a G-rated adventure story called Saltwater Taffy? I mean, everybody. I would go as an adult because it just, you know, it just screams of, of fun and, and uplifting and, you know, so there's something beautiful about it. But as I found, you know, as I sat down and began to write, I didn't know it was going to be a book. I was just sort of beginning the thoughts of, okay, let's just, you know, maybe let's just write the first first couple paragraphs, and that will kind of spark the idea. Well, it sparked an idea, all right. Next thing I know, three months later, I had 85,000 words, which is almost a ream of paper, double-spaced. And I sat back, and I, I was in, I was in awe of that situation, of how, of how that, right. you know, it, it's not... Inspired. But, yeah, it's not, what you, it's, not, it's not what you can get in life. It's what you can let. Let happen. Let flow through you. I mean, right. and that's the beautiful thing about, you know, um, God, whether you call and whatever your definition of God is, um, you know, it's a it's a definition for, for me of allowing goodness to flow, free flow from my heart. And that letter that, uh, um, you know, Jacques-Pierre Lafitte wrote uh, to the kids, mm-hmm was sort of a sort of a, a letter to to all of my readers, all of my you know, right. all of my friends and family and little ones that says, you know, don't get lost on the adventure. Make sure you right. keep your eye on the ball and the what what matters most in life is how you love, not what you can get, not what you can achieve as far as, you know, uh the bling of our you know, society and kids want to be, you know, the next Justin Bieber or they want to be Britney Spears. And I had one girl at the Boys and Girls Club say she wanted to be Britney Spears. I was like, no, you don't. Uh, trust me, you do right. not want to be that person. Because if you were that person, who would you be? 
And you know, yeah, we have that to, we have that was that's one of the treasure tips that you had in the book that I wrote down because you write, never wish you were someone else. If you were him, who would, who would be you? Yeah, I, I mean, talk about cool. missing. Awesome. I mean, we'd miss out on yeah. who who Cynthia is if you weren't being you. If you tried to be right. someone else, you're wasting your time. You have to find the purpose. And once you find that purpose, you need to just continue to keep doing it. And, you know, it's not, uh, you know, there's something, uh, Leo Penn had a big effect on me when I was, uh, you know, a little boy and <laughs> at Universal, which is 20-something years ago. Um, he's since passed away, but, he, you know, he's the father of Sean Penn and um, Michael Penn and the late, great uh, um, Chris Penn. But he said, uh, you know, uh, if you want to, if you want to do something, it's no good doing something else. You know what I mean? Right. And and yeah. and I've applied that to my life. It's it's like finding what I wanted to do and then go and do it and let the chips fall where they may. I mean, you know, uh, it, it's not, you know, success is. There's many different definitions of success. I mean, you could you could uh, you know live on a lake and and know five people and be um, you know relentlessly happy. Or you could live in New right. York and be, you know, a big wheel and be, you know, really happy. Or, you know, most of the time I find out, you know, from a, you know, I know a lot of very wealthy people and I also know some very sad, empty, lonely people. They've got this financial richness and they've got this emotional bankruptcy going on. And yeah. that is not what this life is about. Unfortunately, you know, uh, the 80s and the 90s, you know, greed is good was our mentality, and it's gotten us in the troubles that we're in. But, um, you know, I think we're having a return. There's a return to love happening in our world. We're seeing it in our uh, boardrooms. We're seeing it somewhat in the White House, although I, I'm not too pleased with what's going on right now because we're still not taking care of our educational problems. But you know, I think there's there's something is shifting. You know, there's a there's a there's a generational shift in perspective about what is important. We've got you know green conversations going on. We never had those before. We've got you know yeah. there's, there's something more out of this life than just acquiring things. So yeah, I don't know. I'm, I just, think, I I'm fired up and thankful that I'm part of it. You know what I mean? That I'm part of the transformation yeah. that's happening. And my 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 the people that I care about most are children. So uh, that's a good thing. It's amazing. I mean, I, I think there's definitely a return to love. I think it's getting back to basics, really, is, is what's happening. Yep. Um, and when you look around and take stock in your own life of what, what those basic things for you are, what are your necessities, you know, mine kind of starts and ends with the family and, yes, you know, house, water, um, you know, clothing so I don't run around naked but I don't need, you know, to be decked out and labeled all the time. Um, that kind of stuff. That it's just it's just very core elements to who who we are, and deepening those those you know that core as much as possible. Now, I wanted to so wait. I did want to ask you. So, how long did it actually take you to write the book? Three months. Three months. It took three months. You were done in three months. I mean, that's amazing. People well, write books for years, and you know this, this yeah. that, and the other thing. Like I said, I mean. <laughs> Like I said, I was taking. I felt like I was taking dictation. I mean, it was you know when you tap into a story and the faucet begins to flow like it flowed with saltwater taffy, you really have to right. to answer the bell, you know, because every morning that bell rings and it's like you know it's almost like uh, you know ring the bell, put puppy chow in the bowl, and let's let's feed the dogs, and you have to you have to really feed that story. 
And so I got, I mean, I was working, gosh, 14, 15, 16-hour days, and that's a lot of writing right there. But I was not worried about, you know, I, 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 I've finally come to the point in my career where I'm not worried if anyone likes it. I write for the, the sole purpose of writing, and there's a beauty I, about that. Well, I, I, remember the, I remember those three. Yeah, and I remember those those months just, you know, where you would be writing at Starbucks, and you'd, like, write the locations of where you, where you would be writing. So yeah, I'm always like at going, Starbucks. Going on, that journey, going on that journey with you through, through, through Facebook about where is Eric, where can you find him now? Is there going to be a, okay, we know that there's definitely going to be a movie. Is there going to be a sequel to the book? Yeah, if you go on whatagreatbook.com and you click on um, essay contest, there is a um, – I'm, I'm basically want to employ uh, a tween. Um, I, you know, from 8 years old to 14 years old, we're going to hold an essay contest, and it's a 500-word essay contest. And basically uh, they read the book, and then they, they, they write their next – Adventure. What is the next adventure? What is book two? What is story two? I mean, I have a very, really clear picture for book two and book three, but what I want to do is try and incorporate the story uh, idea of a kid that can say, based on a, on a short story by, you know, right. whoever, you know, whoever this That's kid very is. Cool. And you That's know, very and the kids. Cool. So all, all the kid, parents who are listening, who have tween age kids who love adventure and who love writing, go to whatagreatbook.com and look at check out the essay contest. Yeah, yeah that's absolutely. very very cool. And so they can where, win a thousand Where else bucks. can people find them? And they can win a thousand dollars. So where else can we find the book? Well, the book is on uh, on the iPad store. If you have an iPad, go and download it. I think it's $9 on the iPad and Kindle store and the Nook store. And basically any reader, uh, electronic reader, uh, we have uh, we have formats for you that's out there. And, and pretty much every bookstore on the planet uh, can order the book. Um, I support what, what uh, I, Indi- What uh, I will say about... In- yeah, what I will <laughs> say about um, about the electronic reader, though, is that... Feeling this book with how you've done it with, like, the old kind of treasure mappy parchment paper, yeah. feel of it, like, I I love just kind of the look and and just the feel of this book. I love it. Oh, they're, yeah, they're, that's Very never cool. going to go away. I mean, there, you know, there's definitely, uh, there's something special and intimate about holding a book and carrying it with you, and it's your, it becomes your friend. And um, right. I created, I created the uh, the paper overboard, which was, you know, a book without uh, a jacket, you know, that doesn't have a dust jacket, because I wanted, right. uh, you know, I wanted the kid to always, you know, have that book and be able to look at the cool pictures all the time, and. Um, so yeah, the book is every. If you go to indiebound.com and you can find an independent bookstore uh, that is in your area, uh, because I try and uh, support independent mom and pop shops. Uh, I think we need more of those types of businesses in our world. We're being overrun by the strip mall mentality of the of the corporate giants. Like you know, I mean, I, I, everybody doesn't need to wear Gap. Okay. I mean, I, I, I like Gap, I like Banana Republic, and I like, you know, Old Navy. And they're owned by the same gigantic corporation. And I got no problems with them. I love them. I mean, you know, hey, go go with, go with it. But I like to support, uh, um, you know, entrepreneurs that are out there making uh, strides in the economy and, and providing small business jobs. So that is definitely uh, my first choice. But I also have Barnes & Noble, Borders, um, you know, any anywhere a book can be bought, it can be bought. 
You can find saltwater taffy. Saltwater taffy is everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Don't buy um, one, buy two, buy three, buy four, buy five copies, maybe six. Who knows? You could buy seven and share it with all of your friends. That's what's happening now. It's actually a really great book to get for your kids who are going on spring break or for the the winter recess because they will they will fly through it over their their break and they'll have a great adventure to go out on their own. Um, and I also want course, uh, Cynthia. I also want yeah. to tell uh, people to make sure um, to tell a teacher about it because we you know our yeah. big core audience is teachers and I want to make sure that teachers know uh, about the book and how that's going to happen is. Every time that a kid reads it, they take it to school and show their teacher, and their teacher's going to tell, you know, the librarian to get it so they can stock it in the store, and then, you know, that the school could uh, support the book. And uh, my big thing is I want to make sure that it's on the summer reading list for every kid out there because it's a perfect read for the summer. Yeah, it's definitely – I concur with that. I think it's – it's a really good book for your tweens to have um, and for your family to have in your family library. Now, before we let you go, Eric, I would love to take another little adventure with you into our Come Tell Mama questions. Okay. Ready? So, aside from writing, what for you is your luxury indulgence? Uh, eating chocolate chip cookies. Mm. <laughs> Good boy. <laughs> I'm serious. I, 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 my wife says I have a cookie problem, but I don't think it's a problem. I, there is nothing wrong with eating like 20 cookies in a day. I'm, I'm totally no, no, no. Oh, no, no, no. I love them. I love them. No, I mean, you know, my my special indulgence is, uh, is jumping on my mountain bike. Uh, because there's something, uh, you know, uh, there is a thing that is happening in our on our society and our culture that we are we are raising obese children. Uh, one out of three chi- one out of three children are, are overweight, and uh, you know if I can give any advice to children and their parents is you know get on a bike, buy a bicycle. There's many adventures to be had on bicycles, and if you notice in the right. saltwater tap story, all the kids mm-hmm. they're riding their bikes everywhere. And you know what? Mm-hmm. You ride your bike that much, there's no way you're not going to feel great about yourself because when you exercise, there is a release. There's a special elixir that the body makes for and rewards you with and makes you feel so awesome. It's undeniable. And so exercise goes along with any type of creativity you ever can do in your life. So get out there, ride a bike, have fun, and you know every moment is another adventure waiting to happen. Which of the following would you choose? The best sex of your life, the best meal of your life, or the best sleep of your life? The best what was the last one? Sleep. Sweet? Sleep. 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 Oh, sleep, sleep. Sleep. Sleep like at night, yeah. See, you don't so, you don't know from that because you're not a, you're not you're not an actual parent yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh well Right now I, you have the I luxury would, of sleep. Well I would I would probably have to say all three because if I'm with my wife, then I'm happy as can be. If you pay, I had to pick one, which would it be? I I would pick uh, number four, which is all of the above. <laughs> what What is your favorite movie genre? Uh, adventure. Nice. And what is what when it comes to food? Do you prefer sweet or salty? 
sweet. Uh, Mexican, Mexican food. <laughs> what do you consider your most beautiful feature? My most beautiful feature, I would say my uh, my attitude for adventure. Again, when my wife is like, you know, I'm never bored around you, which is a compliment because I'm always looking at, you know, oh, let's go over there and oh, let's go do this, and she's like, okay, let's go, and she's kind of making a, <laughs> a she, she's kind of making fun of me a little bit, but uh, but we always, you know, that every minute is an adventure. I don't care if I have to, you know, if I have to go do clean the garage, I'm going to make it. Some, I mean, I have to do it anyway, so I might as well have the mindset. It's like, all right, here we go. Let's go on an adventure. And, you know, even if it's, yeah, I mean, one time I had to, uh, I had, I went and volunteered at a animal shelter called the Lang Foundation in Los Angeles, right there on Sepulveda Boulevard and, and Pico. And it's a rescue shelter. And I went over there and I was in the back room washing out cat box after cat box after cat box. And, you know, I, I knew that afterwards everybody was going to go and have a beer and we're going to have lunch and it was going to be a great time. So I just said, all right, it, it, I, this is what i got to do. And I'm gonna, you can either have a bad attitude about something you have to do or you can have a great attitude about what you have to do because either way you have to do it. So whatever attitude you choose, make sure it's something that is going to make you happy. Otherwise, go ahead and kick rocks for the rest of your life, but you're going to stub your toe. That's That's a good one. That's a good little. That's a good little pearl. And um, and you know, and for that, I'll give you a special. And (laughs) Jim. Oh my god! <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. Well, you know, usually when M- M- Melissa's here, we take we take those gems and and put it in our Friday pod. So, what is the best advice that your mama gave you? My mom um, never worry about what other ones, what other one you know, or anybody else thinks of you. Just con- concentrate, basically concentrate on on. You know, you and how you feel about you was one of the great things that my mom – and my mom is, you know, the same way. She's always with a smile. She's always – you know, she wakes up and she's cheerful um, because you can wake up pissed off or you can wake up angry or you can wake up with like, oh, wow, right on, another day. What's going to happen today? You know, it's up to you. That, that's what I – you know, the, the, the overall – Advice is up to you. How you go about life, how you experience it, and how you manifest things in your life is up to you. Couldn't agree more. Thank you so much, Eric, for being with us and sharing this hour, hour plus with us now. Thank you for bringing the sounds and the energy of New Orleans and <laughs> the French Quarter to the show today. Um, definitely loved having having that vibe on the show. And for, seriously, for your really not only creative and brilliant piece of work, but it's truly inspiring and kind of your heart and passion and, and zest for life and zest for to live a purpose-driven life and go deeper comes through in every page and through every character in Saltwater Taffy. And, I mean, you know that Mama Pearls is a big supporter of you and your work and a big fan. So we're happy to help you um, at any way along your little adventure and journey here that, you're, that you've embarked upon with Saltwater Taffy. And um, we're just so, so happy that you joined us today. Absolutely. Likewise. And I always say, always remember, another adventure is waiting to happen.
Another adventure is waiting to happen. Thank you so much, Eric. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you to everybody who's been listening. Again, you can find Eric through his website at whatagreatbook.com. He's also on Facebook, and you can find him in Eric Bela Bar. Um, you can contact me via Facebook or send tweet, which is my Twitter account. You can contact me via email at Cynthia at MamasCharles.com. Remember, you can listen to this show or any of the past art archive show at blogtalkradio.com slash MamasCharles. And our blogs and inf- more information about the show can be found at, at our website at www.MamasCharles.com. And again, Eric just reminded you that basically to seize the day, carpe diem, every moment is an adventure waiting to happen. And this is Cynthia Mama's Pearls reminding you to enjoy your children, enjoy your family, say I love you. Remember that to be present and to be with the ones that you love, together you can create the most memorable adventures. It's the stuff that create the legendary memories is just by being together and connected. Have a great week, everyone. Next week, we will welcome Arielle Ford onto the show. Enjoy. Thanks again, Eric. Thank you. See ya.